0: This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. British Prime Minister Theresa May thought she would consolidate the Conservative Party's hold on Parliament. Instead, she lost the party's majority. Now, with Brexit negotiations just days away, Cato's Ryan Bourne says the socialist-friendly elements of British politics are gaining ground. Theresa May made a mistake, is that fair to say?
1: Well, it was an extraordinary election result and one that nobody saw coming. Um, I'd be lying if I suggested that I, I thought it was wrong for her to call the election in the first place. It looked like she was going to win an absolute landslide. It looked like she needed that mandate uh, to get Brexit through. And it also looked like she needed the time that she'd have gained from um, entering a new parliament, a five-year period, to deliver on that Brexit. So I think it was the right decision to, to call an election in the first place. Of course, in, in hindsight, looking back, what has actually happened is she, she ran a pretty dreadful campaign. The Tory manifesto was panned by um, all sides. Jeremy Corbyn has proved a much more effective campaigner than many of us realised. Um, it looks as if the UKIP vote, which you'd have imagined would have been all in favour of Brexit, has uh, has gone in part to Labour, um, to a large extent, and young voters who traditionally don't come out and vote seem to have been enthused by some of Jeremy Corbyn's uh, policies and by all accounts have come out in droves. So you factor all of those things in, and we've got a situation where even though Theresa May has increased the Conservative vote share by raising uh, the number of votes they've got in some of these uh, Northern working class seats, overall she's lost, seat, she's lost her majority, and now she's going to be reliant on the Democratic Unionist Party of Northern Ireland in order to form a majority government, an unstable one at that.
0: What does it mean that she has to depend on the Democratic Unionist Party? I understand, of course, that, uh, the, that adding those uh, seats to her total give them a, a slim majority, but what is the background of the Democratic Unionist Party? They seem to be, uh, for lack of a better term, far right elements of the of the electorate.
1: I wouldn't perhaps call them far right. I think strongly social conservatives, though. I mean, they're not they're not friends of economic liberty by by any means. Um, I wouldn't call them foes of economic liberty, but they're not friends of economic liberty. But on social issues, they do take hardline positions uh, on things like abortion and and same-sex marriage. And essentially, what it means is that in order to get a Queen's speech passed, which is a declaration of of what you seek to achieve through your legislative program, uh, Theresa May is going to be reliant on their support to, to have a majority in Parliament uh, to support that agenda. Um, this obviously does have implications for, for Northern Ireland as well. And what I suspect is that the DUP will be looking uh, for strong concessions from the Conservatives in terms of money invested in Northern Ireland and other sort of port barrel uh, policies for that region, as is their right as a as a party that's going to be propping up the Conservative government.
0: So do we have a sense of of what drove this presumably some uh, resentment and problems with the fact that the Brexit vote did not go the way most people were predicting even up to the day of the of the vote uh but was was a backlash against Brexit part of part of this
1: I think to a certain extent certainly it looks as if young voters have come out with much higher turnout rates than previous elections and at least part of that I'd imagine was Was down to Brexit. But Jeremy Corbyn made a direct pitch to younger voters. He pledged to abolish all tuition fees and make higher education uh, free at the point of use, which was obviously something that 18 to um, uh, 24-year-olds seem to like and seem to enjoy. But I think there are certain results around the country that suggest that this wasn't all about Brexit. And actually, this was um, a rejection of a conservative campaign that was very pessimistic that was very self entitled I think theresa may just assumed that she would win uh, a majority without really turning up and, and uh, producing any any policies to to appeal to parts of the electorate but one result um, kind of struck me was in London there was a big labor search which lots of people have put down to um, Remainers sort of striking back against the EU referendum result. But in Vauxhall, um, which was a seat represented by a Labour Brexiteer, Kate Hoey, um, Labour did, Labor did extremely well and much better than expected as well. So this seems to be more of an endorsement worryingly in the longer term of a left-wing economic agenda as much as it is um, a rejection of, of the EU referendum result last year.
0: Uh, some people have argued that uh, labor learned its lesson in um the tony blair years that uh the the labor party needs to abandon a whole lot of its more uh socialist friendly ideas and become a center party in, in much in the in the way that uh, bill clinton tried to do with the democrats in the early 1990s what is the lesson that the labor party and the rest of uh, uh Great Britain is taking away from this event.
1: Well, I called this election so wrong that I wouldn't want to. Um, I wouldn't want to offer a full thesis of exactly what has happened here, but it does appear, at least, as if Jeremy Corbyn's platform has been more popular than many of us thought. Now, you don't obviously know the extent to which that's a rejection of Theresa May as very, very pessimistic, as I say, self entitled um, uh, agenda. Lots of people who I've spoken to who were out campaigning uh, seem to suggest that although Jeremy Corbyn and his agenda was pretty unpopular on the doorstep, Theresa May really went downhill in people's estimations during this campaign. And usually people say the actual campaign doesn't seem to matter that much to the overall result. In this case, it seems to have. Um, she, She, as I say, she didn't turn up to a lot of the debates. She sort of said that she didn't want to debate Jeremy Corbyn publicly. She ran a whole platform on being a, offering strong and stable leadership to the country. And then when her manifesto was criticised, she U-turned on one of the key policy proposals on the funding of social care for the elderly. That didn't look particularly strong and stable. So I think Theresa May tried to run a presidential campaign, which was the way she thought she was going to win votes in the in the north of England in particular. And although she did pick up some votes there, um, she ran such a her sort of personal uh, persona was judged so poorly by so many people that that campaign strategy backfired. And that leaves two huge questions, really, that are overhanging all of this. One is exactly what is going to happen with Brexit now. Uh, we're just 10 days away from the negotiations with the European Union on our exit starting. And we've got a relatively weak conservative minority government propped up um, by the DUP. Um, it's unclear what Jeremy Corbyn's full position is on the EU negotiations as well. But I think, as I say, the more worrying thing in the longer term is that 40% of people voted for an overtly socialist agenda in this election. And I think given the difficulties of the Brexit negotiations to come, um, we could have another election within maybe this year, but certainly within a couple of years. And Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party would have a pretty good chance of winning that.
0: Now. Uh Social conservatism is less popular among young people, at least in the United States, and perhaps that, perhaps that's not true in uh, Britain. But um, that would seem to significantly that alone, the fact that they have to make concessions to these social conservatives, would seem to weaken the uh, conservative hold on the center.
1: Well, I think it remains to be seen the extent to which that actually affects policy. Um, I think the DUP seem to, be, at least through their public statements so far, seem to be prioritizing um, getting Brexit delivered and a better settlement for, for Northern Ireland as the price of their coalition or a relationship with the Conservative Party. Um, in the In UK politics, issues surrounding abortion and same-sex marriage tend to be judged as issues of conscience where MPs are given free votes. And I don't think there's any possibility of, of Parliament overturning existing law on either of those areas, um, even if the DUP wanted it. I think what the DUP do want is um, a, a return to self-government in, in Northern Ireland. At the moment, there's a suspension of the, of the Northern Irish uh, Parliament. Um, they want more investment in Northern Ireland and they want the type of Brexit that they, um, that, that they desire too. I mean the only real policy change I think that this could um, engender from a Brexit perspective relative to what the Conservatives were hoping to achieve anyway is that farming protectionism um, was a bigger part of the DUP platform than the Conservatives. So at the moment the European Union has a very protectionist agenda on agriculture – and in essence, um, the DUP wanted to just bring that home. So that could that does look like one of the things that could result from this kind of coalition relationship.
0: Is Brexit uh, on the table as uh, something that could be undone?
1: Well, it's certainly an interesting question. I mean, the Conservatives ran on this election, and Theresa May said that this was her seeking a mandate for leaving the single market and leaving the customs union. So clearly she hasn't got a majority uh, in the House. But Jeremy Corbyn's manifesto was all over the place on this. On the one hand, he said he wanted the UK to remain within the single market and remain within the customs union. On the other hand, he talked about Labour wanting to control migration as well. And the European Union have said that free movement of people is an essential part of the single market. So it's unclear what his position is. I think if, if I were to judge the, the, the probabilities here and, and what Conservatives are saying, then the election result last night does make the possibility of a softer Brexit and by that I mean uh, Britain remaining within the single market perhaps for a period of time in a relationship like Norway more likely than it was yesterday. Um, but we're going to have to see. I mean, it seems as if uh, Theresa May and the Conservatives want to carry on trying to muddle through and start these Brexit negotiations. Um, but, but with such a slender majority and, and in a coalition or some sort of relationship with the DUP, it's going to be very, very difficult to get all of the Brexit legislation through Parliament because don't forget there were many Conservative MPs who wanted a softer uh, form of Brexit as well who could vote against the government.
0: Ryan Bourne is the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.